You are listening to the Revolutionary Force in Professional Wrestling Podcast for over 20 years. Reviews, interviews, shoots, news, and opinions like no other. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ring Scoops. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, wrestling fans from coast to coast. This is the Ring Scoops podcast, and I'm your host, that Ring Scoops guy. And on this episode of the Ring Scoops podcast, I'm going to go over some of the stuff that happened this past week in the world of professional wrestling, some news, some thoughts. Um, And then in a little bit, my buddy DA is going to come on and join me for... um, Another round of the Wrestling Jukebox, which is uh, one of our favorite segments that we like to do here on the podcast, where we play a random theme song for about 10 seconds, and then we just kind of discuss the first things that come to our head and just see where it goes. And just, uh, it's like a spin of a wheel, you know, it's like Russian roulette with the, uh, with the jukebox, giving somebody a good old quarter to pop in the jukebox, baby. And then uh, they pick the song and we figure out what we're going to do. So, <clears throat> without further ado... Here, as this is a somewhat of a special edition of the podcast, I guess um, that, that this podcast is being uh, being broadcasted live during the super stream. Well, at least this portion of the podcast, the jukebox segment was uh, was recorded earlier this week to put in, but uh, this is going to be interesting here on the uh, on the super stream. Right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ringscoopsguy. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family about the stream here. 12 hours, man. 12 p.m. Pacific to 12 a.m. Pacific. And uh, you're probably wondering, too, because it's been, been on for a while. So why are, you, why are you introducing the show like this is the first time you're getting on? <clears throat> it's for the people that are going to listen on anchor.fm slash ringscoops, which is where you can find the ringscoops podcast and where you can find the afternoon quickie as well. Uh, because you know, people that are right here on the stream, I mean, you guys, you guys have been here for a while. Those that are going to be listening to the podcast on a pod- podcast platform, this will be the first time they're going to hear this episode like this. The first time they're going to be introduced to me that day whenever they're listening to it. So that's why that specific introduction, but anyway, enough of the rambling. Um, some of the some some of the big headlines. Uh, the first one is uh, that AEW has scooped up some new uh, wrestlers. Um, AEW officially announced this week that they have signed um, former NXT talent um, Tanera Conti, so she's going to be over there on AEW, and I'm excited about that because I've been a fan of her work when she was with NXT. I, I loved her work in the Mae Young Classic in the past. Uh, on the last episode of the Afternoon Quickie, uh, you know, Kat and I, we both, uh, we begged AEW, you know, give us something that, that us, you know, jaded fans of the product, uh, give us something to, to make us turn our head and, and pay attention to you guys again. And make uh, make us start watching continuously because right now AEW is not my cup of tea, but that doesn't mean that it can't be my cup of tea down the road. I mean, there's 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 a lot more stuff going on at AEW that I I don't personally like that I do like, and 
a signing like this is is a step in the right direction in my opinion because it's a character it's a superstar it's a wrestler it's a personality that i do have some kind of investment in that i want to see so my head is starting to turn in the direction towards aew again and speaking of that uh aew uh on dynamite this week a big shocking debut for aew was the former Rusev. Uh, Kip Sabian came out and and Miro was introduced as uh, Kip Sabian's best man on Dynamite this week. Uh, he's going to be going under this, the, the ring name Miro, which is short for his, you know, his, his real name. Um, it's also the name that he's been using on his Twitch streams and whatnot. Um, he was released from WWE, you know, after WrestleMania 36 this year. And, and, uh, Miro is another talent that I've, I've been a huge fan of this guy's work. And now that he's in AEW, my head has turned a little bit more towards their direction again as well. So I'm going to be keeping a little bit more tabs on it, seeing what's going on. I think next week's AEW is going to be the first time since January or February that I think I'm going to make some time out to actually watch the whole program. I know that's saying something, especially with how vocal I've been over the summer with AEW, especially how extremely vocal I was after double or nothing this year. And after the Matt Hardy thing and, uh, you know, Matt Hardy showed up on AEW this week as well and uh, cut a promo saying that when he's cleared, which means that he does have some kind of an injury, whether it's a concussion or not, I believe it's a concussion, but, you know, it, it, who knows? But if, if he's in a condition where he's not cleared, it's something that's major. It's something that's big. It's something that that we, um, I, I think that, I don't, you know, lied is such a strong word. I mean, I'd probably use it. I think Tony Khan lied to us. I think he stretched the truth. I think he bended the truth. I think he did anything he possibly could. And he did straight up lie to us. To say that, you know, Matt Hardy, he, he said that Matt Hardy did not have a concussion and that he was perfectly okay. And that wasn't the case, obviously. Matt Hardy um, is is not cleared to wrestle, but in his promo when he came out, which his wife and his newborn baby were there in the, in the, in the crowd, uh, Matt Hardy said that when he comes back, he's going he's gonna to keep winning matches and that he's, he's done with Sammy Guevara and he wants to set out a goal to win his first AEW championship. So that's what Matt Hardy is going to go for in his run with AEW when he's officially cleared. Uh, two more things I'd like to talk about here this week. Something really big. Um, and this is from PW Insider here. It says, in an attempt to resurrect the concussion-related lawsuit against World Wrestling Entertainment uh, ended on, on Wednesday... Um, the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York dismissed the attempt siding with Judge Vanessa L. Bryant of the United States District Court of Connecticut, stating that she was correct when she officially dismissed all the lawsuits against WWE in September 2018. The appeals court upheld the allegations, uh, upheld that the allegations brought in the lawsuit had either been frivolous or filed well after the statute of limitations had expired. And there's another update, too, from PW Insider about that. It says here from PW Insider, Mike Johnson reporting, WWE's lead attorney, Jerry McDivitt, issued out the following statement to PWInsider.com 
following the second U.S. District Court of Appeals in New York's decision to uphold the dismissal of the concussion lawsuit. Quote, We are very grateful for the decision and look forward to the only remaining aspect of the case, which is for the trial court to determine the amount of the sanction Kiros now has to pay the WWE. I have seen Kiros comment to the Associated Press, which are yet another display of his dishonesty, which further supports my belief he has no business practicing law. He, had, he told his clients of his webpage that the appeals would be handled by the best appellant lawyers in the country, yet he failed to file, to even file timely appeals and at oral argument told the court that he was not even prepared to argue issues that had told him they had told him to be ready to argue. Sorry. It's a big paragraph that's all together and it messes with me that way. If it would break it up into paragraphs or sentences like that, I'd be able to read it a little bit better. All right, continue with the quote. And they rule against him just, he just lies about what the court did and the rulings made by them, all of which is further proof of the wisdom of Judge Bryant ordering steps to be taken to protect the public and other wrestlers from him which she did in her last opinion of the cases, end quote. I mean, that was, that was brutal to get through that. But that was, uh, that was definitely, definitely uh, a legal explanation. That was a, a, a lawyer's statement for sure. I need to practice that in my studies, the legal studies. Um, I'm good with words, but not that good. And finally, the last thing I'd like to talk about real quick before we jump into the jukebox that is AJ Styles comments and clarifies about COVID-19, uh, his COVID-19 positive timeline comments on, uh, the whole thing with WWE's, you know, with the third party advertising and, uh, Twitch streams, all that stuff. Um, during his last stream or his latest one, as of right now, AJ Styles commented on whether his stream would continue. And he noted, uh, from information that he got WWE, does want the talent to interact with the fans. Uh, so they want them to have like Twitch and YouTube channels and whatnot. Uh, there are things that they want them to do, which was vague at first. And there are other things that the talent know that they are not supposed to do, but they're borderline on those and will, they'll be addressed. He also noted that there might be some changes in areas in which he does not have any idea about as he's not active on those such as cameo and whatnot. And then in regards to uh, COVID-19, uh, Styles also clarified in his comments that uh, he had uh, COVID-19 a month and a half ago to the point where the CDC said anyone uh, affected can be quarantined for 10 days. He got tested, went home for 10 days, stayed at home in his basement, and was able to go to work because of the schedule they had at the time. The reason he revealed it was... Uh, reason. I'm reading this off the website. Uh, the reason he revealed it was because he wanted people to know that it isn't bad for some people who get affected by it, while some it is bad. He added that he's not been tested. He wouldn't have known. No, I'm going to read this wrong. He added that he had not, had he not been tested. I, man, whoever wrote this, holy shit. He added that he not been tested. I think they meant had he not been tested. Uh, he would have known. He wouldn't have known. He, man, I'm just showing my own professionalism here. Fuck. I'm sorry. 
Uh, he wouldn't have known, and he probably would have spread it to others. And he put over the WWE for their testing of everybody. So, Jesus Christ. There. Got through the news. This is brutal. I promise. I'm not that bad, usually. Um, I, I'm normally, I'm not reading a lot of stuff like that, but there was a lot of actual statements and articles that I wanted to get out there, so I didn't mix up any any facts or quotes or anything like that. So, other than that, uh, yeah, um, I think it's, I think it's time that we, uh, that we move on to other important things here on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Is that the Goodyear blimp? All right, ladies and gentlemen, DA and I here with another segment of the wrestling jukebox. Huh? That was the jukebox starting, right? Dennis, I got to ask you something before we do this. All right. Now, back in 1997, there, <laughs> there was a secret that The Undertaker had going on. Chat me up about The Undertaker's secret. <laughs> was it a secret that a lot of people knew about? Or was it one of those kind of secrets that no one knew about? Well, goddamn, everybody knew about the secret. <laughs> Fucking hey, everybody knew about it. Dave Meltzer knew about the goddamn secret. Put in the goddamn observer. Brian Alvarez calling me every goddamn minute asking, hey, you hear about Undertaker's secret? Of course I heard about the goddamn Undertaker's goddamn secret. Goddamn. I don't think Brian Alvarez was alive in 1997. You'll know David <laughs> Meltzer is going to burn in hell. All he does is post the lies. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed my ass off, dude, when I read that about Rusev. How dare he talk lies about my my CJ? She did do something naughty on a boat. Oh fuck! Damn, that right? runs wasn't deep. That, wasn't that Babe Anderson's character's name on the show? Or was it? Oh, it was on, yeah, on, on Baywatch, yeah, CJ. <laughs> Holy shit, man! That was my one good joke of the year. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That's been uh, the afternoon quickie. I'm that ring scoops guy. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it took you nine months in 2020. <laughs> you know that's a, that's a good sign. That is a good sign. Yeah, wonder if anybody's going to be able to connect the dots. <laughs> maybe you, maybe your comedy and your laughter will bring a cure to COVID nineteen. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> I want to touch right. everybody with my laughter. Yeah, you want to touch everybody, all right? I know that, but nonetheless, <laughs> in any event, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> well, well, chat me up about today's jukebox. Today's jukebox is brought to you by anchor.fm slash ring scoops and anchor.fm slash two guys drinking. And that's the number two that's not written out as number two. All right. Let me ask you a question. Do you have hairy balls? 
you, you need the manscape. Oh, I don't. I don't know what we're going. Did I, you have I, a I, very active teenage? Uh, you know, growing up, did you have your hairy knuckles? Well, I got a solution <laughs> for you. <laughs> this is why we don't do podcasts together anymore because it just goes off the rails. Hey, it's all good, man. It whatever whatever floats everyone's boat, not the boat that CJ did something bad on, but. <laughs> And it comes full circle. <laughs> oh, it comes. <laughs> All right. So uh, those that are not familiar with the jukebox, shame on you, because that means this is the first time you guys have listened to the show. Uh, we we got uh, a wrestling album on Spotify right now, just waiting in the in parts unknown for us to, to find. And uh, it's on random. And we're going to hit the button. A theme is going to play. We're going to play for like 10 seconds. And then DA and I will give a discussion. Whatever the first thing comes to our mind, about this theme and uh da are you ready I, I think 10 seconds is good enough to keep uh mcdivitt off of our butts he, you know he's gonna be like counting the seconds all right if they go over 10 seconds i'm gonna i'm gonna write the cease and desist letter i'm gonna send it ah damn it it's under 10 seconds god damn it you know it, it wouldn't you know it, it wouldn't be the first time that i've been hit with a cease and desist so i'm all good <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Here, here, I'm going to put a disclaimer out there just to kind of help try to cover us, you know, make some kind of a case if this it does happen. Ladies and gentlemen, the album that we're choosing is WWE The Music Volume 3, which you can pick up in stores on Amazon and whatnot and WWEshop.com. And uh, there's the promotion for the product, and we are not making any money off of this. There you go. Here comes the theme. Right when it gets good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That that right there sums up Edge's run in 2020, right when it gets uh, yeah, good. Yeah, right, right when it gets good. <laughs> uh, I, I, honestly, the first thing that popped in my head was the kazoo segment where Edge and Christian were coming out with the kazoos. And they were pissing everybody off and annoying everybody. And it was like, it's our theme music. Do, 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 do. do you think you know me? You think you know me? You think you know me? <laughs> <laughs> I like when they did Kurt Angle's theme too with it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some good times. Oh yeah, you know, I, I just I recently, uh, you know, got finished watching, you know, some of the '98s and '99 uh, Raws, Smackdowns, and all that, and pay per views. So a lot of this early Edge and and Christian career is like fresh in my head right now. Um, I loved that ladder match that they had with the Hardy Boys at No Mercy '99. That was that was like a, a coming of age for both teams. Was that where they were trying to get the uh, the money bag? Yeah, it was the uh, Terry Invitational Tournament, the tit. Did it have a, uh, uh, was it a bag with the money symbol on it? <laughs> I don't know, but that would have been ironic because uh, <laughs> around that time in 99 on the other program, uh, they debuted a character called the Demon. And that was during a performance by Kiss on Nitro. Oh. Kind of tie that all together. <laughs> yeah, the, the Edge and Christian, phenomenal talents. But I, I just, I never could understand why they would always come out of the crowd. It was like, was it like a rave thing? 
No, uh, it all started with uh, with Edge when he debuted, you know, singles uh, back in I think it was late May, early June of '98, and um, like the vignettes that they ran for Edge, you know, he was like on the streets, he was on a subway, he was uh, uh, the original enigma of the WWE. Um, you know, he's he was a a scavenger in a way. You know, he was one of those kind of guys, and so to make him stick out. You know, just fit the character that, you know, a guy like that, that wanders the streets, isn't going to just come out uniformly through the entrance and just kind of come out of the crowd, not knowing where he goes. And I thought that worked for him. It fit perfect. I always thought that was kind of odd, too. I I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But like like you said, the the vignettes, but, uh, you know, it's Titan Tron, too, where it was just the shots of him in his gear out in an alley or outside of a convenience store. I, 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 I digress. <laughs> the edge shopping at circle K now. <laughs> yeah. Just, just waiting for the, for the phone booth to come out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Going around asking everybody when the Mongols ruled China and <laughs> try to get the babes and stuff like uh i don't know i just it always looked kind of goofy to me but uh and then you know when they started coming out of the stage and they had the tag titles and then they started wearing goofy clothes and whatnot and then of course the height of edge of christian the five second pose for the benefit of those with flash photography <laughs> <laughs> That was great, especially like when they would bring in fans from the crowd and like little kids and they'd be like the kid would be in the center. And as soon as they'd start posing, they would step right in front of the kid. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when they reenacted the Bill Buckner incident? When they were- oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, man. Uh, those guys were really good. Uh, they Back- played their characters well. Oh, they did. Um, back then, too, uh, when I was 17, um, Discover Card had this thing called uh, the Cobalt Card. And it's kind of like what Venmo is now. Um, it was really ahead of its time. And I got I, I begged my mom to get me one because it was prepaid and the, like it was supposed to be for kids. And parents can load money onto it and then kids can use it anywhere debit cards were accepted. And I remember... Um, I used my my monthly allowance. I saved up and I got a pair of Edge's sunglasses off of WWE Shop, and I couldn't wait for those to show up. And man, those were really cool glasses, man. You ever do anything like that back in the day? Like any merchandise when you like before you got like your own income before you started adulting? I can't remember any specific merchandise. I just remember like saving up for pay per views. Or, or begging for pay-per-views, like the, the, the one pay-per-view that stands out that I, I, I got to order. And they were few far in between or uh, was uh, Survivor Series 2002. That seems to be like the go-to whenever you and I start talking about like older WWE stuff, which is it's funny because like to me, 2002 at first thought doesn't seem like it's old school. But it was 18 years ago. Yeah, that's old. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's crazy to think that it's almost two decades ago that we had our first elimination chamber match. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, it's like when I was rewatching, you know, the 99 stuff, which I, I had to, I had to stop watching after uh, Unforgiven 99 because it just became too much to watch having the Raws and SmackDowns and Heats and then the pay-per-views. Like, I, I couldn't keep up with it. So I just started periodically skipping around. But, you know, I started watching some of the build to WrestleMania 2000. And it's just really it's, – it's hard to think this was 20 years ago. It just yeah. seems like it was yesterday to me. You know, I got to give uh, Russo a lot of credit. And, and you know, I kind of believe his story – it, to the extent that of why he left WWF and went for WCW, where it just got too much for him, where he was writing so many shows, Raw, SmackDown, Heat, you know, all the having to book all these shows. Just can you imagine that workload? Like I, I can't imagine the workload now with all the shows. Yeah, and and they have a committee now. Where back then it was, you know, Russo and Ferrara would come up with the outline and then meet up with Vince. And then, you know, Vance, Pritchard, uh, Cornette there for a while. And then, the you know, Russo and Ferrara would kind of finally tune it at Vince's house. But, you know, I always, I always wondered because, like you said, the big issue for, for Russo, and it's funny because we've gotten way off track with the Edge discussion, but um, <laughs> we'll tie it in. We'll tie it in. Uh, yeah, we always come back. Know, <laughs> yeah. Um, Russo, you know, complained about too much work and he asked for money and Vince said no. But he went to WCW where they had Nitro, they had Thunder, they had Worldwide, they had Saturday Night. I don't know if Russo had a hand in anything other than Nitro or maybe even Thunder, but I'd imagine that WCW had to have paid Russo and Ferrara, you know, a considerable amount more than what Vince McMahon was paying them, right? That and it it probably was a little bit easier to book in the sense that you weren't dealing with uh, Vince man type character that wanted to micromanage everything and wanted to fine tune everything and go through everything with a fine tune cone comb is what I'm trying to say where Vince is just, what are we doing in this segment? All right, let's go over this segment again. All right, let's go through the whole show again. And it's like, it probably just went through the whole week within an hour or two. And then you're able to enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, it was. And at that time, you know, before SmackDown came around, they pretty much only had the two hour raw and then the pay-per-views. And then heat was probably easy to book because it was only one hour. And I would say 20 percent of that was kind of showing like what happened on raw. And then they get lucky where one heat a month was pretty much a pre-show for the pay-per-view, which they've done before with the free for alls. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine like that had to have been pretty easy to do. Yeah. But one of the, you know, on, on Russo's, uh, I think he took over what late 97, early 98, probably late 97, but like yeah. one of, uh, one of the original creations of Russo was edge. Really think about it. When Russo was fully locked in having the book, there was two characters that came out in the spring slash summer of 98 that Russo had a huge hand in that one became a huge star, which was Edge. And the other one, it was a memorable star. I wouldn't say he was a huge star, but that was Val Venus. It's kind of interesting. I feel like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like the Val Venus character 
they could have gotten they could have stretched more out of him but then they put <laughs> him in the <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh you know they threw him in the right to censor which you know it was cool the right to censor was a, was a cool group it was something different for a while but then they never really went back to it and then you know they had the chief morally stuff and then you know, it all went to hell after that, and now he's just a douche on Twitter. But nonetheless, <laughs> I, I, I always loved that porn star turd wrestler character with his finisher being called the money shot. And, you know, little kids not really knowing what that means. And when they find out, it just blows their mind. And then his vignettes were pornos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, Jerry the King Lawler always like I want to I want to be the director in one of your pornos. <laughs> well, you know the very if I'm not mistaken, the very first promo that Val Venus ever did had Jenna Jameson in it, which in '98 that was huge. I didn't even know that. That yeah, that's a that's a huge to acquire that. Wow, acquire her, yeah. I should say. Yeah, I think they had a lot of uh, major uh, adult film stars from the late '90s in there. I think. Uh, Sylvia Saint was in in one of them. Uh, they brought in some other ones too, you know. But I re- vividly Lord. remember Jenna Jameson. It was when they were in the woods, and Val pops up with that helmet, and he starts talking, and then Jenna Jameson stands up, and yeah, I, would f- I tell you, man, as a, as a fifteen year old <laughs> boy, seeing that Val Venus was my hero. Talk about getting the rub. Like that legitimized. Well, I, I didn't mean it that way, but talk about like legitimizing the character as Yo, a yeah. as a legitimate porn star. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, companies did a lot of stuff like that back then. They don't do that nowadays. Like I remember WCW when they had Ernest the Cat Miller. One of the pay per views. I want to say it might have been Super Brawl in ninety uh, eight, maybe maybe ninety nine. They had James Brown show up and do a dance with Ernest the Cat Miller. And, of course, they ruined it the next night because they just destroyed Ernest the Cat Miller in a squash match. What a waste. Right? And then, of course, like Kiss debuting the the demon, Dale Torborg. You know, that (laughs) could have been a great gimmick. (laughs) Uh The freaking demon. You know what, dude, if there was if you got a character like that and you wanted to debut him, the best way to do it, you have Kiss perform and you have this dude rise from the stage like the brood. <laughs> and it was just amazing. And then they just dropped the ball. I guess I'm I'm laughing more at the, the result, the end result, more than the 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 debut and everything. But yeah, I, I just some real poor management at that yeah. place. Explain yeah. why they're out of business. Yeah, and and remember, like that same that same year, they had Master P show up with the No Limit Soldiers too. Like, how you really think about it in the late '90s, man? There was a lot of uh, music synergy with professional wrestling, almost like it was in the '80s, the rock and wrestling. And that's where the WWF and WWE diff- differed from WCW. They knew how to use celebrities in the right places, not just oh, by the way, Master P and James Brown are here tonight. Yeah, <laughs> but to bring it all back in, as we close <laughs> the jukebox this week, we talked about the demon. We talked about Ernest the Cat Miller. Talked about Val Venus. But there's and one Jenna thing, Jameson. and Jenna Jameson. But there's one thing 
I think we, we can both agree on, and that is out of everybody that we talked about today, the one person that is still going strong today is Edge. Yeah, surprisingly, he came back after his uh, you know career-ending injury, which surprised the hell out of me. I thought he would never come back. And sadly, he's back on the the injured roster, but uh, hopefully he'll he'll make a full recovery and be back again. We wish you the best, Edge. We wish you the best. DA, before we head out, any plugs, any shout-outs, any any, uh, endorsements? As always, I want to thank uh, That Ring Scoops guy for letting me be on the jukebox. And I would like to plug my podcast that I do with my buddy Rob. It's called Two Guys Drinking, where we talk about everything in pop culture, including movies, TV shows, and anything else that's going on. You can listen to it at uh, anchor.fm slash two guys drinking. That's the number two, or you can search for it on anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Yeah, I was trying to think. What was the, there's another big one? Spotify. It's two guys drinking. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in to this episode of the Ring Scoops podcast right here on ringscoops.com, youtube.com slash ringscoops, anchor.fm slash ringscoops. If you would like to follow Ring Scoops on social media, it's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram all with the same username, ringscoops, and also twitch.ringscoops.com if you want to check out some of the live Twitch feeds, uh, the streams that we do. It's like Slam and Jam and whatnot. It's good stuff, man. And, uh, of course, prowrestlingtees.com slash ringscoops as well for all your ringscoops merchandise. Prowrestlingtees.com slash ringscoops. That's it. For this episode of the Ring Scoops podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, I'm that Ring Scoops guy saying thank you, good night, and be cool.